Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. pray together. Then I want to read the text. And uh, hey, Brother Earl, God bless you, brother, waving back there in the back. Then I want to read the text, and uh, then I just want to unpack chapter 20 a little bit. Now, everyone should have sermon notes. Uh, We have those that we're passing out to everybody. So if you did not get one, hold your hands up, and our guys will uh, get one to you. So everyone, I believe, has those. All right, let's pray together, and then we'll jump right into uh, John chapter 20 and look at this snapshot, this portrait of Jesus today, uh, the resurrected Redeemer on this Resurrection Sunday that we're looking at today. So um, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for our time together today. Uh, We just thank you, Lord, that we're able to celebrate freely here in America and boldly and proudly proclaim that the tomb is empty, that Jesus died on the cross, the sins of the entire world were placed upon him, past, present, and future. They were all placed upon him. And there he died and was buried and paid the sin debt for us all. But that third day, early that morning, he arose. And Father, we thank you for the Resurrection Sunday. Thank you for what it means to us and our faith. And had it not been for the resurrection, the Apostle Paul says that we of all men would be most miserable If we only had hope for the things in this life only. But the resurrection gives us hope. And Father, we thank you for that. We pray you open our hearts and our minds and our ears today and help us to receive the word. Uh, I just pray that the Holy Spirit of God would finger around all of our hearts as we unpack John chapter 20. And as we glean from this amazing chapter, the resurrection story of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that whatever the need is in our heart and in our life, Lord, that you would meet that need. And Father, I'm just a man. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I line myself up with the Apostle Paul, the chief of all sinners. I don't claim to be a perfect man. But Lord, I do love you. And I do serve a perfect Savior who died on the cross for my sins and rose again. And Lord, there's nothing that I can say in and of myself that would make any difference to these folks today. But through the person of the Holy Spirit and the power of your word, hearts and lives can be changed. Lord, today we depend completely, 100%, we depend on you today. Speak to our hearts. Meet with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you there in John chapter 20? Once again, I just want to read this. As I'm working our way through the portraits of Jesus, the snapshots of Jesus, and trying to dig out of the Gospel of John, a, a snapshot, if you will, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I just enjoy reading the text, unpacking it briefly, and then expounding a little bit more on it with your notes. Now, one of the reasons that I give you those sermon notes so you can fill in the blank and you have the reference and that you can take that home and do a more in-depth study of what even I'm preparing for you today. So it's a great study guide for you, and I hope and pray that that you'll do that. But in John chapter 20, this is, this is an amazing chapter. It's the empty tomb, okay? 
In John chapter 20, it says, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Now, who came to the tomb? Mary Magdalene. Take note, this is not the mother of Jesus, okay? This is Mary Magdalene. She came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. Now, who is that? If you were here last week, you know who that is. Who, who is this? The disciple that Jesus loved. It's referenced six times in the Gospel of John. It's talking about John himself, the writer of this particular Gospel. He always referenced himself as the one who Jesus loved. And so she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And at that, Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together. I love this part. I guess this is the competitive male in me that loves this part. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Now, who's the other disciple? John. Who's writing the book? Isn't it obvious that John's a dude, right? Really? Is that important? Yeah. Hey, it's important. I beat him to the tomb, right? We ran together, and I got there first. Just take note of that. I just think that's funny. I don't know that it really has a lot of significance other than John's writing the book, and he's a guy, right? That's kind of a guy statement. What would it look like if a lady was... No, I won't even go there, okay? <laughs> Out ran Peter, got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter came also, and he entered the tomb... And saw the linen clothes lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lined with the linen cloth, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. Now, that particular phrase, folded up in a separate place by itself. There's a lot of theological debate over that portion, that reference of Scripture. And you'll find two different groups in that. You'll find one group that says it means nothing. Uh, you can't read into that anything. You'll find another group that says they believe it was a Jewish custom that whenever they were finished eating their dinner, or not finished, whenever they got up from the table from eating their dinner, if they were not finished and were going to return and come back, they would fold their napkin up neatly, and that was a sign that they were coming back. Either camp you could find yourself in doesn't have a lot of bearings on the story other than we know Jesus is going to come again, Right? So I just want to throw that out there. You can find that and study that a little more. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then entered the tomb and saw and believed. Everybody say believed. That's the whole reason we're going to see why John wrote the gospel of John, so that we would believe. So he said the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then entered the tomb, saw and believed. For they still did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went home together. Okay. Peter and John, the disciples, they leave. But the text says that Mary stood outside facing the tomb crying. So Mary didn't leave with them. They raced there together. The disciples got there. They went inside, looked around, saw these things, and then they left. But Mary stayed there. Mary stood outside facing the tomb crying. And as she was crying, she stopped to look into the tomb. And there in verse 12... She saw two angels in white sitting there. Everybody say sitting. That's important. I'm going to come back and unpack that in just a moment. The two angels in white sitting there, 
one at the head and one at the feet where Jesus' body had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they put him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, though she did not know it was Jesus. That's a strong statement. I'll bump into that briefly here in just a moment. Verse 15, woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Supposing he was the gardener. She replied, sir, if you removed him, tell me where you put him and I will take him away. And Jesus said, Mary. And turning around, she said to him in Hebrew, Rabbioni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. But listen to this message. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. What was the command? That she do what? She go and tell. Now guys, that's still the command today. That we go and tell and spread the gospel. The only thing you can do here on this earth that you will not be able to do in heaven is evangelism, right? The only thing you can do here on earth that you're not going to be able to do when you get to heaven is evangelism. So we need to carry out the same command that Jesus told Mary. We need to be going and we need to be telling folks about this amazing gospel story of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So go and tell my brothers Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what she or what he had said to her. And in the evening, the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. Now get this. Then Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace to you. Now, are the doors locked? Yes or no? And Jesus appears in that room with them. There's something that we can see there about the resurrected, glorified body that it's going to be able to be to be able to transcend walls. And here we see Jesus just appeared in there. And that's a whole nother lesson, a whole nother study. But study a little bit on what the resurrected body is. By the way, we're not going to be some little Casper the friendly ghost floating around on the cloud playing a harp when we get to heaven, by the way. You know, that's not what we're going to be. Right. Right. We're going to be with the Lord and we will be with him in our glorified body, our resurrected body as well. And having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the father has sent me. I also send you And verse 22. And after saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgive. They are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But one of the twelve, Thomas, everybody say Thomas. Who missed church that Sunday and missed seeing Jesus? Thomas. Right? He wasn't gathered with the other believers. Thomas, where art thou? (laughs) Where are you? Well, he missed church that day. And he missed seeing Jesus. Guys, don't ever... Miss church, unless you absolutely have to. You just may miss seeing Jesus. Hello? Say amen or old me, but stay with me, okay? All right, stay in here. 
But one of the twelve, Thomas, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, we've seen the Lord. But he said, get this, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. And after eight days, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were what? Locked. Doors again are locked. And Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace to you. Can't, don't you think they were startled? Yeah, the doors are locked. It's us. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is in here. Jesus, you've got to quit doing that, right? The doors are locked. And there he appears and comes to them again. And obviously they're startled. And Jesus does what he always does. He loves to quiet the soul and the spirit and the storms in our life. And he just simply says, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, I love this. All the disciples are there. Thomas is the one that's struggling. Thomas missed church, right? Thomas is having a hard time believing. I'll never believe unless I can put my hand in his side and see the nails, scarred hands and feet. I, I just will never believe. The Lord took note of that. Doesn't it bring us comfort knowing that God knows? He knows our deepest fears. He knows our deepest longings. He knows what we struggle with. He knows what, when and where we may doubt, Right? And he addresses that. And he addresses that for Thomas. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and observe my hands and reach out your hand and put it into my side. And don't be an, what? An unbeliever, but a believer. And Thomas responded, my Lord and my God. You think he became a believer? Yeah, right? He sure did. And Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. And those who believe without seeing me are blessed. I'm talking about those that have faith. Look at verse 30 and 31. I think this is important. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples that were not written in this book. I unpacked that a little bit last week. Many other signs and wonders and miracles and things that he did in the presence of the disciples that are not written down in this book. But these are written. But these are written, he said. But what has been pinned down for us, but these are written, why? Here's the so what of Scripture. Here's the so what. What does the Bible mean anyway? What's the big deal of the Bible? So what about the Bible? Here's the so what of of Scripture. But these are written so that you may, what? Believe. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in His name. Listen, it did not say by being a church member. Hello, church, you with me? It did not say by turning over a new leaf and trying to be a better person. Are you with me? He did not say by the power of positive thinking, although I believe we ought to change the way we think. Scripture addresses that in Philippians. But these aren't the ways that we have eternal life. He did not say by being baptized. Right? I'm from the mountains of North Carolina. We baptized in the creeks. Whenever we'd have a baptism, we'd dam it up and go out there. That water's ice cold year round. I promise you, I've been there. 
And I used to say in the mountains of North Carolina, you can be baptized in these creeks. Do you know every tadpole by name and still split hell wide open? Why? Because it's not by being baptized. Right? It's not by being a good person. It's not by good works. It's not by being a church member. It's not by being religious. Hello? It's about believing in the person of Jesus Christ. But these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Not just a good man. Not just a good teacher, not just a great leader, but he is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the son of God. And by believing, you will have life in his name. That's a great chapter, is it not? When you just unpack that, I don't know about you, but I just think the Bible is so alive. It's the living word of God. I get excited when I read scripture, but I just wanted to read John chapter 20 to you and let you get a hold of that. Now, I'm going to go and try to unpack some of that briefly, and I don't have much more time. So I'm going to give you the blanks so you can fill those in, and we can move through this, and you'll have your good little study guide that you can take, and you can dig a little further uh, into the resurrected Redeemer as we look at this passage of scripture. But today is the greatest day in all of history, the resurrection day. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of 6,000 recorded years of history, the resurrection day was the most important day ever. Guys, do you realize if it wasn't for the resurrection, the Apostle Paul tells us that we would be of all men most miserable. That we will be lost. We will be without hope. But because of the resurrection. Listen, you know what? The resurrection is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion that is out there. Okay? When you study all the other religions of the world, which I do not, folks come to me from time to time and say, Pastor, what do you think about this religion? What do you think about that religion? What do you think about I don't study other religions. There is enough to study in this. And here's what I like to do. I like to study the truth. Therefore, I will see a counterfeit. I'll spot it a mile away. I don't need to study other religions. Just study this one. Study Christianity, I promise you. It is the truth. Why do I say that? Because we are the only. Everybody say the only. Poke your neighbor on the shoulder and say we are the only. I'll finish it for you. We are the only religion that our leader was crucified. He died. He was buried. And he rose again. Christ has risen on this resurrection Sunday. Listen. Buddha died and is there, right? Muhammad died and, was, and is still there. Confucius died and is still there. Christianity, Jesus died, was buried, rose again. That's what separates us from every other religion. It completely separates Christianity from all other religions. Do you believe that? You see, here's the deal. Because my Savior lives, He's a resurrected Savior, Therefore, I don't have to go and worship some idol or some image that's been made and put up that I've got to dust off and keep polished and keep clean. If it falls over, I've got to get super glue out and put it back together and put the pieces together so that I can worship this image. There are other religions that are out there, but if they don't have their image in front of them, they can't worship. Are you with me? 
You know what the difference in Christianity is because of the resurrection? I serve a God that has risen from the tomb. Now whenever I fall over and get broken to pieces, he picks me up and gets the super glue out and puts me back together so that I can worship him. Amen? Isn't that a major difference? I'm here to tell you today that our God is alive. Jesus is alive. These things were written so that we would believe that Jesus is not just a good man, not just a good teacher, so that we would believe that he is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the son of God. The proof, obviously, is in the empty tomb. So let me get to these three things real quick as we start talking about Jesus, our resurrected Redeemer. Here's the slides and here's the blanks that I want you to fill in, okay? They're on the screens. You should have them there, but they're right here as well. The first thing I want you to see is Mary at the tomb. We already bumped into this briefly, but we can look at verses 1 down through verse number 10 of John chapter 20, and we'll see Mary at the tomb. Three things you're going to see. You're going to see the discovery. You're going to see the devotion in the darkness. What's the discovery? She discovered that the tomb is empty. Right? She went there and had this amazing discovery that the stone had been rolled away. The tomb is empty. Her and the disciples go in. They see the linen cloths are lying there. That's the discovery. What's the devotion? The devotion is when the other disciples leave, Mary stays there and weeps. She is devoted to the Lord. She's devoted to Jesus. Why is it that Mary stayed there? If you go back, and don't turn there, but if you go back in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, you'll find that this Mary Magdalene was delivered from a deep and dreadful life of sin. She is a redeemed child of God. She knows without Jesus that her life is a mess. And she stays there devoted to the Lord. Let me tell you why. Because redeemed souls love the Lord. Are you with me? Redeemed souls. I didn't say religious people. Right? There's a difference. Religion is me working my way to God. A relationship and salvation is God working his way to me. And that's what happened on the cross and with the empty tomb. It's God making a way that now I can have a relationship with him. So it's not about being religious. It's about being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. This soul, Mary, was devoted because she was redeemed. And then we also see her darkness in verse number 11 where all she could see was the physical evidence. And she missed the spiritual answer that the Lord had risen. I don't know about you, and I don't have much time. I realize it's getting late. But I remember as a boy, I don't know, I have so many memories of, of Easter Sunday growing up. I mean, Easter is when you always went to church on Easter, right? Easter and Christmas, you always go to church on Easter and Christmas. And I remember as a boy, my dad didn't go to church much. My dad sent us to church. He had a tremendous respect for God and the church. He sent mom and us kids to church. And he didn't go much, but I was always excited on Easter. Let me tell you why. Because dad was at church. He would come to church also on Easter. So Easter Sunday was a big Sunday. For, for us as a family. I remember sitting there as a family together. Thinking this would be so awesome if we could do this every week. But it just didn't happen on a regular basis. But I remember a song that we would sing. And it's an old hymn. And I think I've got the words for it Byron. And I don't know maybe you can help me sing this. It says something like this. 
I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy, I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always... Sing it now, He lives, He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. I love this part. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. I love that old Easter hymn, don't you? That old Easter song. And we sang it every Easter in the Southern Baptist Church that I was raised in. I always remember singing that old hymn. And I've never forgotten, He lives. How do I know? Because He lives within my heart. Church, I'm here to tell you today, He lives. Amen? Second thing I want you to get, not only Mary at the tomb, I want you to see the messengers at the tomb. Now, three things here are four things I want you to see. And the messengers, that's the two angels. Okay? The number two is significant in Scripture because it symbolizes witness. Okay? So the two angels there were to witness the truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we see, with these messengers, we see their presence, the fact that they are there. We see their posture. What are they doing? Scripture says, and I had you repeat this, they are sitting. Let that sink in. Sitting. Every other time in Scripture, when you study about the angels, they are busy doing something. Hello? I think it's unique. I think it's amazing. I love it. Sitting. One at the head, one at the foot, just sitting there. He's not here. He's risen, just like he said. You can go see that in Matthew's Gospel. That's what they said. He's risen. He's not here. Their posture. Listen, if someone had stolen the body of Jesus, do you think the angels would be sitting? Hello? If someone had done something mischievous, if someone had tried to hide him, if someone had tried to do something other than what God wanted done, do you think the disciples would be, what's the word? Sitting. No. They would be busy doing it. But they're just sitting. So we see their posture. We see them just sitting there. And then it's a picture of something. You know what it is? It's a picture of rest. The angels, their presence and their posture sitting is a picture to all of us that there is rest in the resurrected Jesus, right? There's rest from our labors. There's rest. There's peace. There's rest. There's calmness, right? Your life doesn't have to be in turmoil. Hello? Your life doesn't have to be filled with drama. You can have peace. You can have a relaxing life. Regardless of what the circumstances may be going on in your life. How can you do that? By believing in Jesus. The disciples are there. Their presence, their posture, their sitting. The picture is a picture of rest. What is their plan? Their plan is in verse number 13. 
The plan indicates to me that the angels wanted to stir something up in the heart of Mary. They're there, sitting, a picture of peace, and they ask her a question. Why are you weeping? Now let that sink in. Why are you weeping? Can't you imagine Mary? What do you mean, why am I weeping? Right? I came here to see Jesus. His body's gone. What have you done? What's going on here? They were trying to stir something up in her to get her to quit looking with the physical eyes and start paying spiritual attention to what was taking place in her life. Guys, there's a good life lesson for us. Sometimes we want to look at everything with just our physical eyes and we fail to look by faith with our spiritual eyes at a situation or a circumstance and realize in the midst of all of that, we can be at peace as well. And we can rest from our labors as well, knowing that Jesus is in control. I don't have time to unpack that much more, but you get the picture right there, okay? So we see Mary at the tomb. We see the messengers at the tomb. The next thing I want you to see is the Messiah at the tomb. The Messiah at the tomb. And here, there's going to be Mary's confusion. There's going to be the confrontation, the call and command that we see in verses 14 down through verse number 17. Mary's confused. She's weeping, right? She thinks this Jesus is a gardener. The confrontation, Jesus comes to her. Why are you crying? Listen, if you're the gardener, if you're the guy that's taken, tell me, what have you done with him? So you see the confusion and you see the confrontation when Jesus came to her. But then you see the call when he simply says, Mary. When he said her name, she knew then that was Jesus. And let me tell you something, folks. He knows your name. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what your struggles are. He knows what it is that you may be confused about. He knows what it is that you may be struggling with. He knows your name. And he simply said, Mary. I want you to notice that this isn't the call, the voice of the creator calling to the creature. This isn't the voice of the master calling to the servant. This is the voice of the shepherd calling to one of his struggling sheep. And guys, if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a disciple of his, he knows your name. And he stands every day as a shepherd calling your name to whatever struggling sheep we may be. And he has the answer and he can give us peace and rest. The command, he said, don't touch me. She flung around, don't touch me. I'm not yet ascended to my father. Go and tell the disciples. So here the command is once again. And then we see the last thing I want you to get is the message from the tomb. What do we take away from this? And band, you guys can come on up and get ready and I'll wrap this thing up. What's the message from the tomb? Two things I want you to see. It's an unusual message. You see, Mary was told to go and tell the disciples that Jesus was alive, but he had not yet ascended to the Father. So he was going to see the Father, and then he's coming back to us. And then I want you to notice also it's a message of hope, and it's a message of blessing to those that believe. And guys, let me tell you, It is an unchanging message. I've already alluded to this. The message is come and see, then go and tell. So today you have come and we have worshipped together and we have seen that the tomb is empty. Our message that we're to take from the tomb, from the Resurrection Sunday of worship, 
is that we go and tell others about the amazing story of Jesus Christ. Over 6,000 years of recorded history, the most important message that has ever been declared is He is not here, for He is risen. We serve a risen Savior. And that's what we worship and celebrate on this Easter Sunday. The tomb is empty. In your notes, under the conclusion, I have one last phrase. You've heard today that He lives. We've sung about it. We've preached about it. We've talked about it. You've heard that He lives. The question I have for you is this. Could you live your life just like it is if He didn't? The message is He has risen from the tomb. Has it changed your life at all? If it hasn't, then you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Could you live your life just like it is if He had not risen from the tomb? You see, there's a lot of people living their life trusting in themselves. Educating themselves. I'm not against education. I believe in it. Studying all types of different things. I'm not against that at all turning over a new leaf, trying to be a better person. I'm all for being a better person. But there's no hope for you or any hope for me if we're doing this within ourselves. We've got to, as they sang the special here earlier, we've got to kneel at the cross. We've got to realize that Jesus paid our sin debt. That He died and He was buried and He rose again. And he has an amazing plan for every single one of us. None of us are here by mistake. I look at these babies in here. Thank God for these babies. Thank God for our nursery and the babies that are in the babies that are in here. Thank God. There is, listen, there is never an accidental baby born into this world. Jeremiah 1 teaches us that. God knows these babies before they were even conceived. He had a plan for them. I believe that. That's why I'm against abortion. I believe that. Hello? God has a plan for you. He has a plan for these babies that you guys are holding. He has a plan for those kids that are right next door in children's church. He has a plan for you. But the only way you'll be able to discover that is when you realize, I've got to let go of this thing called self thing called me being in control. I've got to let go of that. And I've got to kneel at the foot of the cross. And I've got to surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Realize that myself, along with every other person that's ever walked this earth, has been born into this world a sinner. And Jesus died for our sins. And I've got to repent and ask for forgiveness. And ask Christ to come into my heart believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the Son of God. And by believing, and I read it to you in John 20, 31, I then can have eternal life. Do you know Him? Do you know Jesus? Apart from knowing Him, friends, it's a miserable life. I, know, I promise you, it's miserable. Do you know Him? As heads are bowed and eyes closed. Father, Thank you so much for each one that's here today. And 
Thank you for the message of the cross, the message of the empty tomb. Thank you for John 20. Thank you that he penned these words so that we would believe and can have eternal life. Father, if there's one here today that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, my prayer is today, on this Easter Sunday, that they would look to you, ask forgiveness of their sins, believe that you love them, that you died on the cross for their sins, that you came out of that tomb victoriously the third day for their sins, and that you want to have a relationship with them. Father, we invite you into our heart and into our lives today. Be our Lord. Be our Savior. We repent of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Before we are dismissed, uh, let me say two things. One, if you prayed today to receive Christ as your Savior, will you send us an email to the church? All my contact information is on that sermon note sheet. Just send me something. Let me know the decision you made today. I want to send you some material, some things that can help you in your journey of faith, in your walk with the Lord, to help you grow and take the next step, to give you the assurance that you need. I want to help you. So reach out to me. Send me an email. Shoot me a message of some sort on all social media, and I will respond and, and help you. The second thing I want to do before we dismiss, uh, I want to pray for Andrea's family. Andrea's mother passed away yesterday. So we want to remember her and her family in prayer. Um, we want to pray for them. Also, we want to pray for Dave. Um, you know, Dave works around here like crazy around this church. And he's going into the hospital for surgery, so we need to pray for Donetta. No, no I'm just kidding. We need to pray for Dave. He's going in this Friday for knee surgery. Not just repair, it's a whole new knee surgery, right? Uh, knee surgery. So let's pray for Dave and pray he has a speedy recovery. And uh, I know he's anxious to get back at it. And uh, so let's be much in prayer for Dave having surgery this week. Um, Andrea's family, her mother passed away. Any other prayer requests? I'm looking. Any other prayer requests? Okay. All right, let me pray for these two. And then I'll turn it over to Tyler and he'll lead us in a song or two here and uh, dismiss us, okay? Father, thank you for our time together today. We lift up these prayer requests to you. We do pray for Andrea's family never easy to lose a loved one, but we're so thankful that she knew you as her personal Lord and Savior. So it's not goodbye, it's see you later. And Father, I just pray that the void that's in their life now with the passing of Andrea's mom, I pray you feel that with your presence. You feel that with your Holy Spirit. You comfort them. You give them reassurance that they will see mom again as long as they know you as their Lord and their Savior. Be with that family. Encourage them as they go through these difficult days. Father, we also pray for Dave. Uh, what a great guy he is and a major worker and supporter here at Victory Church and a deacon here. And we just pray you be with him this week as he goes through knee surgery. We pray that it is a success, that he has a speedy recovery. Uh, we just pray you still the surgeon's hand and you give them wisdom. We thank you for modern medicine and modern technology and the surgeries and, and the hospitals that we have today. But Lord... We still look to you, the great physician for divine healing. And Lord, we pray you touch and administer and bring healing to Dave's body and to his leg and his knee as he undergoes this surgery. Be with him this week. Bless every family that's here. Bless these babies that are here for the very first Sunday. Thank you for these young families. We pray that they follow you and you bless them and their lives. <clears throat> Thank you for them. Thank you for each one that's represented. Bless every family here. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you've just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360, or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.